Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome to Outbound Metrics. Jared Robin is the co-founder of RevGenius. RevGenius is a community of revenue-generating sales and marketing professionals brought together to learn, share, support, and grow with each other. Jared, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I want you to start off by taking us back to what was happening uh, in your life before you had the idea for RevGenius. Yeah, great question, man. I just lost my job two weeks before COVID started. What what incredible timing, uh, not related. <laughs> I was uh, running sales at an awesome marketing agency in New York. COVID hit and quickly my interviews went from in-person to on Zoom to non-existent. And it was a pretty tough space. What was happening in my life was I was jobless. I, I had my own apartment in New York City. I needed to do something. Going for interviews became harder, if at all possible. Like It was like bordering impossible to get a job. And a lot of people listening probably empathize with that Like at, at the time. Geez, how time time flies. I needed to be more active. Like, how, how do I separate myself from others to get one of the very few jobs? And it started with be more active on LinkedIn. I read, or I watched rather, Justin Welsh's first LinkedIn playbook. It was phenomenal. It gave me enough structure and insight to like try it on my own. And I did. Met some friends along the way. Was part of some other communities, which weren't they're fine at the time, but like they, they weren't giving me what I needed, like in regards to finding a job. I went out and did it on my own. By being active and like posting every day, I was hoping to get the attention of hiring managers. I did all the send videos to hiring managers. It was still hard. Built a network of a few dozen people in like a LinkedIn chat and started breaking everybody's phones and, and looked at the community space. I think we have a community here. And in my head, I was like, okay, I really want to differentiate myself. People on LinkedIn are talking about post every day or, or send a video to hiring managers at the time, like differentiate yourself. I'm, I'm going to really show these hiring managers. I'm going to start a community. And I looked at the time and I'm, is there really no community that allows an SDR and a CRO in the same space for like no money, like at the time? And mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't think I'm right with that, but th- there was there wasn't. We started it and grew super fast because of that. And then there was like this tipping point where 
I couldn't get interviews anymore. Like I, I was networked in even better, like to my original goal to get a job. But people didn't believe me that I was serious because we're at like 3,500 members now. They're like, yay, yeah, nah, you, you're, you're doing that thing. You don't want to work for me. And I'm like, but I need money. <laughs> sure. I was in this predicament. And I remember I had like this tipping point mentally, like where one of the community members of VPS sales, awesome guy. He's like ready to interview me. Like he saw my hustle, like exactly what I wanted to show by by starting something. I couldn't bring myself to sending my resume to him and, and letting him down because for the first time, like I was I was just dead honest with myself. I'm like, my heart is not in anything but this. Mm-hmm. And I can't mislead somebody, especially a, a friend. And I just doubled down and took that risk. And eventually Awesome. Out of a place of like your necessity. You're looking for a job. You are making contacts. You're networking with people. And slowly this momentum starts to build where these groups just start getting bigger and bigger. Or you have, you have many groups that start getting bigger and bigger. You start to put people on a platform. What did you use initially to collect everyone? Day one, we used LinkedIn, just like a DM with 38 people. And then our 38 people were like, yo, you got to go to Slack. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Went to Slack and we've been on Slack since. What was the, was it just like water cooler talk? Was it just, was there any, like, is there any like themes form out of those conversations? Or was it just straight people bringing up topics, just chatting like a big kind of, kind of chat room? Great question. Initially in the first 38, it was a lot of, as you said, water cooler talk. People just being amped to bring other cool people that they met along the way to like the same space. It was like revolutionary. They're like, yeah, awesome. I got this person. I got this person. And we're like, are they a vibe? <laughs> yeah, cool. Right. Bring them in. Like, and that sounds so subjective, but like, it was just like a really good energy. Then as the group grew, we realized early, like within the first hundred members, somebody rose their hand, a niche rose their hand and said, Hey, Looks like you need some organization here. Like, I want to I wanna help you with community. And we're like, thank you. Yes, we need help. And he helped start building some of that structure, some of those micro tribes and all of that. Awesome. What were some of those things that he brought to the table? Essentially, organization. Like, one, understanding, like, community needs a lot of volunteers. Like, as we're growing fast, like, Jared and Anish and Galen at the time, like, can't do it all ourselves. And Christina, a few people there. We need to find people that like are raising their hand and like put them in the game in a productive way to help others. Two, let's organize this. At a high level, we have salespeople, we have marketing people, we have RevOps people. Let's create like three high-level groups and let's figure out what people want granularly. Also, like as a collective, let's understand our terms and conditions and what our values are, like what we'll put up with. Like, and then digging deeper, what are our pillars as a community? Like we boil down to we need to get onboarding. We need engagement, like in, in some programming, like that's a big thing, a big. Di- we need some like education, like component specifically. We need D and E and I to be a pillar. Like no matter everything that we do, this has to flow in. Otherwise, like what community is there that's not like open and inclusive? At least that's how we feel. We need some other pillars as well, and then and then how do we put volunteers to each, and how do we build structure there? Okay, awesome, awesome. I think it's interesting this. Big event, COVID, which like pretty much like killed your job search is and killed everyone's job search at the time. Is seems like is also the thing that kind of gave you momentum for Rev Genius because like I know as being a salesperson in the past, like one of the most helpful things is to be able to like talk to someone you're working with, talk, hear someone on the phone, 
glean some information for them, ask someone a question, have them be like, no, hey, check this out, da, 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 like show you something real quick. And just getting that sort of things you're not going to find in like a formal training or anything like that, just talking to people. And when COVID happens, that's kind of gone. Everybody's remote. You still have team meetings over Zoom and stuff like that, but it's not the same. There's not that like office serendipity. At least for me hearing this, it sounds like what you started filled this really big void that everyone was experiencing at the same time, which is a need for community because their like traditional community is now a shell of what it was in the past. Yeah, we got lucky in that sense. Like it was a need in community, whether it was COVID or not. For some people, sure. They felt that too. More people are just like, I need whatever. And then from a personal level, this gave me like no way out. Like COVID gave me no way out. Like I didn't, I wasn't just like an opportunist per se to like create something that was needed at the time. That's certainly like awesome. But it was also like, I had fear like for the last 15 years, like that was disguised as practicality, getting like other jobs and stuff. And now my back's against the wall. I can't get another job. I got to figure something out. And this was just like, it was a combination of those two things. Like if, if I had a job paying really well, that might've not happened. Both of those things were needed for sure. You have, you're forming at going back in time. You've formed, you have volunteers. You're starting to have some organization. You're building this solid foundation for a community. What happens in this next stage of Rev Genius or where does it kind of go from there? It's a great question, man. Like we get to a point where... Now we're probably at the end of 2020 where, frankly, this question is awesome. And the answer is we're getting to a point where people are getting burnt out, like helping and stuff. Nobody's getting paid any which way. And how so many, real quick, how many people are in the community total? So we probably had like four leadership people. We probably had 10,000-ish people in the community. We have 25,000 now. We probably had like 75 volunteers. Wow. Like, like people helping out or churning, like whatever, like they're, they're, they're figuring out. They're also getting jobs. They have less time because like everyone wants to volunteer when everyone's out of work. But mm -hmm. then when everyone's into work, and I'm not saying at that point everyone was into work, but like things started to pick up a little right. bit. So then we had to evolve. We took, we had, we created a business model, which was natural. We were planning on that. We executed and we learned. I was able to start paying myself, co-founder DJ who came on along the way, able to start paying him. And, and now like last year, June, we had like three full-time employees, DJ, Elizabeth, myself, and we started figuring it out. But like, like we're bootstrapped, like there, there was definitely setbacks and move forwards and learnings along the way, getting there. Awesome. What is the Rev Genius business? Yeah, we, we have two main business models. One is sponsorship where some world-class software companies collaborate with us in events, digital events, soon to be in-person events through our community and through programming alongside that. Like we figure out what the community wants and needs and some sponsors that are able to fill those needs uh, with, with programming. The second business model is through, which is super exciting. We've created, what we realized along the way was that some people, as you scale, putting 20,000 people into a Slack, some people want that micro feel still. And some people want to learn and, and not just learn from webinars and roundtables, which is great, but they, they're okay paying something for cohort learning, for instance. And we've launched Revly starting around the SDR function where we have SDR Pro. We're launching SDR Management or SDR Leaders. And we're launching SDR Bootcamp to get into Revly as like our go-to-market where 
reps or prospective reps or, or leadership can pay an annual fee to get learnings in a cohort with, with others like them and help them hit their objectives, whether it's to set more meetings, generate more pipe, which is the SDR Pro program. Maybe the management is to hit their OKRs. The SDR Bootcamp is to get a job. And with each cohort we launch, like really have an eye for the objective goals, not just like get good learnings. And we, we, we saw that that was a little bit of a need in the space. There's a lot of learnings, a lot of noise, some paid, some free on LinkedIn, like in dark. So a lot of structured programs that helped people hit goals, like it, it started to be less, significantly less. We wanted to create something and fill that need. And, and as we evolve that program, we're, we're super hype on it. We could have AE, Rev, RevOps, demand gen, et cetera, cohorts based on the role and allow people to pay based on their needs. Or if you don't have needs, if you're doing fine and you don't want that community, still have that free option. Always having that free option, which is you know, not necessarily a business model, but part of our model is essential. Like a free option that you can get a ton of value at because that allows us to, to, to keep being open and like mm-hmm. accessible and inclusive. Like no matter where, where you're at in your life, you don't have to pay us a penny and still get a lot of it. And that's, right. that's big. That's big with aligning with those values that we have. Because the, va- the value of the communities and the people is what the people are bringing to the table, for sure. We're at, this is end of, this is end of 2020. We're into 2021. Rev, Rev Genius has created a business model with sponsorships mm-hmm. in Rev League. And through well, 2021. Rev came at the end of 21. Or, sorry, Rev League at the end of 21. Yeah. In the timeline, we're starting at 2021. For that year, for la- that last year, are you essentially like figuring out what led to Rev League at that point? Or is there any, I'm trying yeah. to see if there's any other big milestones in there? Yeah, it was big. Rev League, we put our foot down and said Rev League is the product we want. We, we launched that at RevCon. But that was a big milestone as well. We, we had all this great programming and stuff. We had a small in-house team, and, and we still do. We've learned a lot. And, and we're, let's throw a massive digital event. Like, let's throw a conference. Let's call it RevCon. Let's make it about the future of sales, marketing, RevOps, customer success too. And let's tell everybody who we're launching our first product. So let's do as much as possible in October of last year. And we learned a ton, man. And let me tell you, we've that was a big point for us as, as a company, like evolving as like humans and stuff. Like we put ourselves in the fire to give the people like, like to level up for the, the people of our community by throwing a killer event, not charge them anything, and launch this cohort-based programming. Those, both those milestones happened last year. And, and this year, we're going to do RevCon again in October. And uh, maybe we'll have something something fun up our sleeves then. But yeah, that October was a big milestone. And October 2021 means a lot to us. When it comes to, like, let's say, SDRs, AEs, like, what are some interesting things that you've gleaned or that you've noticed Seeing like individual, both individuals and, and I should say individual contributors and managers operate within a community. You're privy to all these conversations for the most part. You're seeing kind of the interactions that are happening. What are some like trends you're seeing in community as a whole? I guess this is a better question within sales and marketing. Biggest trend I see is everyone's being a human or more people than the past. Like you have people that might have been buttoned up to speak pre this community world a bit more. That are now opening up, being more communicative, like leaning in to speak, helping for causes right outside of revenue, whether it's the Ukraine 
war going on now or any number of social injustices going on, you see people like like stepping up for that, like all sorts of folks. And you see people helping one another and being connected with people outside of their company closer than you ever have. And I think that's pretty massive with community. Now, trends with SDRs, everyone's trying to teach everyone how to hack and get more meetings. Mm-hmm. You see in some of the groups that we're in that how to... But, but, but the general sentiment is like everybody's on the same level in community spaces. There, there might be a little separation, but there's not as much as there is in the workplace or as there was, like where you had people here and you had people here. Now everybody's here and they might have different responsibilities and things like that, but you're, you're, you're seeing so many more awesome conversations, people leaning in to mentor, to mentee, people helping with SDRs and hacking how to how to get into accounts and and how to leverage social tools like LinkedIn, TikTok, etc. You're just having a lot more open conversation, and there's a lot more of a giving mentality behind that. I think is what it all boils down to. And there's a lot less politics and a lot less like segregation of like all sorts that are happening. Yeah, this is kind of like my take on it. Tell me what you think. I feel like. The dynamics of communicating in a in a like uh, LinkedIn where it's like everybody versus like a smaller subset community is that it's just a more of an intimate experience. I feel like it's a smaller group of people. It's more targeted. Every, everybody's there for kind of the same thing, and it's just like you can have a you can have a much different conversation talking to someone one to one that you can in a large group. Like it just is what it is. That's like kind of one thing I pull out of it. And then another with which you mentioned, like less competition and more helping. I feel like at least for like the sales floors I've been on, like people have been helpful, but like you're, there's still stack ranks. There's still competition. Like they're not going to give you all their secrets. It is what it is. That's a game. But for people at, if you're at different companies, different industries, you're just kind of talking sales, the people are more open to share because like you're not in their direct competition. I don't know. What do you think about that? Very much, very much. Community has helped people, for, for lack of a better word, like just be homies. Like that's that friend that will give you the shirt off their back. That's that friend that will hop on a phone call with you. They're more likely to be that person. And to your point, everyone's got a little bit of a shield on the same team, just a little bit. That mm-hmm. makes it feel like like they won't allow they, they won't be vulnerable. They won't share what's actually going on and they won't help if something's going on with you. Right. Like, to the level you need help. Mm-hmm. Like they'll surface level it all day. But uh, sometimes you need a little more. For sure. Now you mentioned dark social a bit ago. Let's uh, let's explore that because I'd love to get kind of your take on where you've had this community that's grown very rapidly in a relatively short amount of time. I'd love to get your take on where you see community as a whole heading and we can start talking about dark social too it was funny i'll kick this off when i saw salesforce acquire slack i'm like i'm like that move is meta because what the world saw was sees microsoft being salesforce's biggest competitor teams being slack's biggest competitor and slack being like on its own and now being acquired by salesforce who can now have something to compete versus teams that that's very substantial how I looked at that and why I called that move meta was I said, Microsoft also owned LinkedIn, which mm-hmm. is in the business world, 
I believe, the most engaged platform out there, social platform sure. or otherwise. Okay. What's meant about Slack? All these communities are being built on Slack, or or like quite a bit of professional mm-hmm. communities are built on Slack. Like we could say there's tons of gamer communities and NFT communities on Discord, and, and you'd be but professional communities on Slack. What if Salesforce just started acquiring they bought Slack? What if they just started acquiring Slack communities to compete against Microsoft? Like one one community, Rev Genius, let's be real, like no time soon is going to be a, a viable competitor to, to LinkedIn as a whole. But if Slack bought Rev Genius times 25, that's kind of interesting. They would they would literally have bought dark social for certain spaces. Yeah. And that's the level of importance I ha- I, I see to that. I think that dark social is very niche today. And, and I think that's awesome. I think it could scale a bit. I, I think there you see communities on Slack into the the tens of twenties of maybe even hundreds of thousands. I haven't been in any of those that big, but it's still dark social. And, and these conversations are happening. And essentially dark social is word of mouth. Like how'd you learn about a CRM tool? I texted my boy or my, my home girl or, or talked to them over coffee or had before it became organized and, and as big as it is, it, it existed. I, I went to an event. That's big. I, I met that person at an event. And now these communities big and small are helping structure that more, encourage that more, double down on that more. It's potent. LinkedIn is a selling platform. Sure, it's a content plot. Like it, it is, but why are people producing content to drive in Pittsburgh? Okay. It's a selling platform and se- sellers are becoming content drivers. It is. Mm-hmm. Dark social is a lot more finessed and nuanced version of that where you actually have to be like, you're like a cocktail app with all of your prospects. But if you try to sell one of them, you're kicked out because you're like, you're, you're that dude. You're that person. You're mm-hmm. out. You're not cool. How can you finesse that cocktail situation with all of your prospects? Some of them you don't even realize because you don't have those ICP tools. Like you don't, you don't have those filters on the spot. I think one of the beauty is that like they, they, you can't be like, oh, Morgan, oh, how to grow with a stripe like on the spot. Mm-hmm. Like you can on LinkedIn. Like if I see you post something like, who is this person? But you can't always there. It helps with that finesse and it helps that making people feel comfortable. Like people are getting spammed more today than any day before today. And tomorrow that, that'll change. It'll be it's, it's gonna be more. Yeah. I think dark social is needed. I think it's it's great. And 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 I think starting off with that, like the Salesforce versus Microsoft, I thought that that's a potential move to go into and, and nobody there will admit it, but like to to go against LinkedIn as well, like and, and just go after Microsoft top to bottom. And, and that's why I thought it was meta. What do you do if you're Salesforce with Slack? You build a, a product for communities where you you don't charge that $6.77 per member because you can't scale that. Like we'd have to pay over $20,000 a month at that point. Like you're taking away a lot of our profits for the year. Like we might as well figure out how to build something. Mm-hmm. You create something more digestible, like maybe a price per, per thousand members or a price for, per 10,000 members. Because I'm not paying for Slack now. But if Slack gave me a price of five hundred bucks a month, I would have to, to to get everything unlocked. You'd I'd pay it tomorrow. You'd get six k for me, and you'd probably get six k for no less than a few hundred people. Like from a business model standpoint, you do that. You do something for the for the communities. Be open to it. From a social standpoint, you create an ecosystem for communities to plug into, and they'd be silly not to. You don't even need to buy them. You create a discoverability 
mechanism for communities on Slack. And you own that discoverability. Hey, you're looking for a sales community? Here are all the sales communities on Slack. Now, if you're on Salesforce, running a sales community, not on Slack, you want to be discovered. You're going over there. Salesforce is listening. I, I have no doubt these ideas are already in their heads because it just makes too much sense. It's like the app exchange, the Salesforce app exchange, same thing. Hey, develop your app on Salesforce and you have this built-in customer base that can easily find your app and use it. That's a good point. 100%. They've already, they've already done that move before. Why not again? Like it's a no-brainer. I think that they're not, I think they're so big right now. Even if they want to do that, I don't think they're moving fast enough. Does that make sense? Like, like, it, like they might do that in two or three years. They're still figuring out like the Slack acquisition, but I do think it was a brilliant acquisition. Sure. And, and, and to your point, I think, I think, I think it's with dark social, at least a smidgen in mind there. It um, makes them a media company. True. Potentially. True. What is the best way for like, there's a lot of salespeople on LinkedIn. What is the best way for them to get the most out of community? Someone enters a community, there's a tons of different, it's like a choose your own adventure. What have you seen that's the best, the, the way people can get the most out of their experience in a community? I'll tell you right now, and, and I join communities all the time. I join this, this community to, to help teachers transitioning into software. Like for instance, the best way to get the most out of community is to come in with a giving mentality. As a salesperson, that's hard. Salesperson people have goals. They're required to get. They're required. And everyone will say you got to give to get and, and all these cliches and help people with their challenges and stuff. But not all of them that say that have that giving mentality truly. And, and we know that. When you go into a community, first thing I did in this teaching community, I said, I'm here to help understand. I, I, I reached out to the, the heads of it. I said, hey, I'm a community organizer as well. Like, I'm not here to disrupt. I'm here to, to help. I want to learn. I'm here to learn because we're creating a, a program, as I said, a boot camp to help people get into SaaS. And I want to learn. I'm going to make some posts. I want to do some collabs with you to create content that your members could use and get them engaged because engagement is the number one metric. Like if you, if you come into a community, help engage. Second thing I did, made a post. I said, where do you fall in everybody in this group? Because I noticed none of the group organizers were doing this. Where do you fall in? Are you somebody trying to just figure it out, like what what's next? Like you don't know the position you want to be in or anything? Two, that's A. You got that, but you don't know what company you want to work for or like or like where you want to do that. You want to be in sales, but you're not sure where. Like what company? I don't know if I want to be in uh, FedEx, CH Robinson, or Amazon. Three, you got all that down and you just need help with the whole interview process. Everything from getting the interview to doing the resume to being creative to interview questions, to negotiation, or for something else. And dude, how many answers came in? That was like the, the number one engaged post. Like they, they love me. And, and also we found out what they needed. We're building program around it. I might've told them I was part of Rev Genius as like an introduction, but like that, then it went by the wayside. I'm there for them. Whenever you're entering a community, be there for other people and legitimately be there to help them. What happens when you do that is people notice you, they see you, they appreciate you. The people at the top of that community do all of those things. And they're going to put you into more games, introduce you to more people to give more benefit because you're providing value. Plan B, I work for Stripe. If you're this type of customer or this type of customer, I want to chat with you. I, I, I want to get your feedback. Get out of here. Bye. Like two totally different viewpoints, giving and getting. 
And now I'm in now I'm in all the games of the teachers and teachers are connecting with LinkedIn out of the gazoo. <laughs> and they're like, yo, what's up? I'm like, I can't talk right now. I'm too busy. Like, th- this is awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like the any of the, like you said, scale w- word of mouth, any sort of recommendations like that that you get from someone, word of mouth, whether it's online or offline, if you're in a community, are so powerful. They're so strong. Like those rec- those peer-driven recommendations are really like the most potent source of referrals, business, like it's it's so powerful. And and those are generated through like it's through actual value being exchanged. Like you were saying, giving and getting. Like if you're giving, if you're giving to a community, if you're looking to serve first, people are going to like refer you to someone else like with glee because you've given so much. So in such a strong, strong referral. I love it. Always give. And, and even outside, because like even a one-to-one DM conversation is dark social. Somebody reached out to me, cold reach out, the head of the CEO of a company. I'm looking for VPSLs. I'm like, here we go again. Within one week, I had given them the best VP of sales. Like that's massive. That changed their whole trajectory of their business. Here we go again. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go again. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. We're here for it. Not just in big groups, but even one-to-one. Leave everybody feeling warm and cozy and and helping. Because you never know when that one-to-one CEO, I have no doubt she's going to raise a round of funding. And it's going to be like, yo, Jared, we need a full team. And maybe by then I have a business model around it. Maybe Mm -hmm. I don't. Like It'll come back. And even if it doesn't, it's all good. It comes back somewhere else. I love it. Jared. RevGenius.com. Check out the RevGenius community. Check out the blog, the website. Join on Slack. Jared, it's a pleasure to have you on. Morgan, thank you so much for your time. It's been great being here. Absolutely. You have a good one.